Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message will be brought to us by one of the men in our church that serve in the teaching ministry. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts as one of the men in our church bring forth God's truth to us today. Good evening and welcome to the Wednesday evening service with Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm so glad that you're all here with us tonight. <clears throat> hope everybody had a great day today. Uh, hope you got lots of things done. Just a second. Okay, I just want to make sure my microphone is on. Because if you know anything, you've been following our devotionals. I have a tendency to forget to turn my microphone on. So it looks like we're on and ready to go. But um, I told you this guy, I told this to you guys last week, but I'm trying to do the recording preach the message, do the live stream, or all of it together. It's It can be trying to separate your brain into multiple areas, but I'm just praying it's working all right. Normally, uh, I'll be monitoring the comments so that like, if there's problems, uh, you guys are really usually super good about messaging, hey, there's no sound, or this is glitching, or that, uh, but I'm just trusting I'm trusting the Lord that he's going to let this message work out tonight. So anyways, thank you guys so much for being with us here tonight. Um, last week, um, it was brought to my attention that uh, my preaching has the ability, the uncanny ability to put people to sleep. And so, <laughs> so last week... Um, uh, Rachel told me uh, the message was going on and she told the kids and she, 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 she looks at my, my two children and she says, listen, you guys need to go into the living room and listen to daddy's message on the TV. And uh, if you know anything about my kids, every night when we try to put them to bed, it's unreal. It's, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's like they've never even heard of bed or like we're torturing them by sending them to bed. I kid you not. Inevitably, almost every night when we tell them it's bedtime, they start crying. Like, like I'm like, Allie, oh, Allie, you've literally gone to bed every single night of your entire life. Why? Why do you think tonight would be any different? And she's like, I don't want to go to bed. I hate bed. I'm like, okay, I go to bed every night. Your mother goes to bed every night. You go to bed every night. I don't like it. I don't want to go to bed. Yeah, you're going to have to go to bed. We literally do it every single night. Okay, that's literally every night. It seems like we have that type of conversation. All right, with Titus and Allie. Not really Everly. She's, you know, only one, but... So Rachel sends them in to watch the message on uh, the TV and she goes, Allie comes into the room because my wife was watching it in her bedroom while the kids were watching in the living room and Allie comes into her room halfway through the message and she goes, mommy, Titus said he wanted to go to bed. My wife's like, what? Yeah, he said he was tired. My wife walks in, my son, in the middle of my, remember how difficult it is to get them to go to bed. Halfway through my preaching, by himself goes, I think I'm just going to go to bed. Gets up, 7.30 at night, gets up, walks into his room and goes to bed. I'm like, that, 
I need to preach to my kids every night so we can get them to go to bed. Uh, Monday, we were at our in-laws house um, enjoying a cookout and my mother-in-law, my precious mother-in-law, she shared with me that she also was put to sleep Wednesday night by my message. So guys, I'm telling you, this is a great opportunity. Gather the kids around, all right? Get them around the phone, the computer, the TV, whatever. Get all the kids sitting there, and hopefully by the end of my message, everybody will be sleeping, all right? So <laughs> at least you can count on Wednesday nights to get the kids to bed early. Oh, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought you guys would appreciate that. So uh, let's jump into our study here tonight. We are in Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to be doing a study through the Beatitudes. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of nervous, and I know that might sound weird to you, um, but I would rather speak up in front of people than just by myself here uh, to the camera, just trusting you guys are on the other end. It feels, it feels very uncomfortable and very awkward to just be in a room by yourself speaking to a camera. And so I'm just, I'm just going to be transparent. I, I feel really nervous right now, and I don't know why, because there's nobody here uh, in the room with me, but... Oh, I'm just praying that God will help us get through this. And I know it's just because I'm not used to it, but you know, and I, and like on the morning devotionals, I have my dad next to me. I just hate doing things by myself. It's just the way I am. And so anyways, we're just trusting God is going to make us this. Hey, we're not alone, right? We got God here with us and God is here with me and uh, just trusting that he will speak to our hearts through this lesson. But here we are in Matthew chapter Five. Uh, right now we're going to be reading verses 1 through verse 3, and we are talking about the Beatitudes, and we're going to be in the study of the Beatitudes for the next few weeks. We're just going to study right through them. Looking forward to what God has for us tonight, but let's go ahead and read our passage here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through verse 3. The Bible says, And seeing the crowds, he went up into the mountain. Of course, speaking about Jesus. Seeing the crowds, and you know, there's so much application there, like as you think about, as Jesus would see the crowds, and so often throughout his ministries, the Bible says when he would see the crowds, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was just the epitome of a man of compassion. And, and the application we can bring that when we see people, we need to be moved with compassion. And seeing the crowds, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and that's kind of where we were last week. And we talked about even though Jesus spent so much of his ministry ministering to people and giving to the needs of people and meeting the needs of people, meeting their needs spiritually, meeting their needs physically, uh, meeting their needs emotionally and meeting their needs culturally. Jesus spent his life ministering. He literally came to meet the needs of people, but how he made it a priority throughout his ministry to take time to set aside to mentor and train his disciples. And of course, we talked about the application last week of who are you mentoring? Who are you training? Yes, we need to give to people, but there should be uh, uh, a select few 
that you are investing your life into, training them, discipling them, mentoring them, teaching them to do what you are doing because we don't last forever, right? There's going to be a time where we're all where we are all gone, okay? We are all temporary parents, right? There's going to be a time where our children are all leave. Obviously, we know you're always going to be a parent, but you're temporary parents. You know, you're temporarily at your job. I don't know what job you're at, but you're there temporarily. Uh, you're everything we do. I'm, I'm a temporary uh, 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 pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church. God may have me here for many more years. He may move me on next year. I have no idea. I may die next year. But the point is, eventually, I'm going to leave, right? So, who are you mentoring? Who are you training? That's the idea. Jesus knew he was leaving, spent time mentoring and training his disciples. And we see that um, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 2, and how he, he, he has a prior, uh, primarily training them all the way through chapter 8. All right, so, so here, let's get into the Beatitudes here uh, this evening. I, I don't know if we prayed yet. I don't think we prayed yet. So let's go ahead and read this verse and then open up in a word of prayer. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus, beginning the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. I just pray that you will show us some truths tonight from your word. Help us apply these truths to our life. And just thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here and to learn more about you. I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about something like this? And if you're a parent, and I know I'm sorry I draw a lot of application and, and illustrations from parenting, but it's my stage of life, okay? So it's what I'm going to do. It's what I know. Uh, but have you ever seen a baby and just thought about how helpless that baby is? You know, you see it there and it's so small. And obviously, the earlier you get, so let's think newborn, the more helpless they are. And they're really just such helpless, small children. I remember when my first son was born and, and um, you know, for me, I mean, just, you know, you're there and it's the excitement. And, but for all three of my children, the, 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 it just seemed like the best time was when we got our discharge papers and we were headed out the door. You know, once we left the hospital, oh, just, you know, finally get, get out, get away. Let's get to our home so we can just be a family at home, right? Away from, from prying eyes and the nurses and doctors busting in our room at all hours of the night and let's just get home. So I remember we, we uh, uh, got our discharge papers and, and, and I took my son. He was, he was so tiny, but not too tiny. He was actually a pretty big baby, not, not as tiny as some of them. But I took him and I placed him in the car seat and, and we were walking out the door and, and we exited the, the, the hospital and it was just like, we, we, we took him and it was my first time buckling his car seat in, right? And like, I just, oh, like I'm filled with so many emotions and it was like, finally, we're a family. Not that Rachel and I weren't a family before, but you understand what I'm saying. It was like, you know, it was mom, dad, and now we have a child. It was just like, oh, it felt so right. Um, but when I was looking at my son, I remember being struck with uh, just how helpless he was without his mother and I. I mean, think about it. He's a newborn. 
And uh, even as I, you know, you know what it's like to hold like a newborn baby and it's just like, they're so, they seem so fragile. And uh, you're always like so careful and, you know, people are coming to the hospital to hold like, oh, you know, I don't want to break it. <laughs> uh, but I just remember, they're so fragile and they're so, and I just remember he's so tiny. Uh, literally without his mother and I, he wouldn't last a week. He wouldn't last a week without his mother and I. And, um, you know, he couldn't really hardly do anything on his own. Really just, uh, really all he, they, a newborn can really do on their own is poop and pee <laughs> and cry, right? That's about all that they can do. And they, they, they do plenty of that, if you know what I mean. Uh, but really, without his mother and I, he was completely helpless. And, uh, you know, I think as I was thinking about this verse and thinking about that, I really think that's a lot of what's being communicated in this verse. Let's read it here again and let's take a closer look. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? We're really going to be diving into this and dissecting this, but to be poor in spirit means that you and I, that we acknowledge our spiritual poverty. We acknowledge, we are acknowledging our spiritual poverty before God. It's a total and complete poverty of the spirit to recognize that you and I, to, to be poor in spirit, it's to recognize that truly we are nothing on our own. We recognize that, that we are totally and completely unable to do anything apart from Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, being poor in spirit doesn't, it's not really speaking about being like poor financially or, or being like, you know, we're broke. That's not really what it's talking about uh, when it's talking, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about material poverty uh, when he's talking about being poor in spirit. It's not like you know, being poor in spirit, that just means you have no money. Um, but being poor in spirit, it mean, there's a lot of meaning here. There's a lot of depth here in the meaning of poor in spirit. So, so let's look at this. What, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? We talked about a couple of those, but let's unpack those a little bit. Um, being poor in spirit is to acknowledge that we are utterly helpless before God and our spiritual poverty. We are in spiritual poverty and that you and I are in spiritual need. That is, that is, that, that's what it means to be poor in spirit. We look to God and before God, we say, there, you, I think of that verse that says, our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. That's being poor in spirit, right? You look to God and, and, and all of our righteousness compared to God's holiness is but filthy rags rags. We are solely dependent upon God to meet our physical and spiritual needs. Let me ask you this. Do you feel, do you feel a dependence upon God in your life? Do you truly feel dependent upon God? Um, do you feel that need in the morning to spend time in your devotions? Do you feel that need in the morning to spend time reading God's word? to get his wisdom and knowledge for the day? 
Do you feel that need in the morning to spend time in talking with God and sharing your heart with Him and, 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 and just fellowshipping with Him? Do you feel that need? I would guess that many people might say, yeah, yeah, I'm poor in spirit. You know, like I, I know that I need God, but yet we don't spend time with God. Um, that that would be like saying, I, I know I need food. Yes, I'm spiritually hungry. Or let's say you were saying, I'm physically hungry. Yes, I know I need food, but you never ate. And the food was there in front of you. Obviously, you don't realize what you need, right? If, if there was somebody that was anorexic and they were like, yes, I know I need food, but yet every time there was food, they'd be like, ah, no, not right now. You'd be like, there's something wrong with you, okay? That's that's not healthy, okay? You are you are physically unhealthy, okay? This is you're not going in a good direction. And I, I think the important spirit, you say, yeah, but that that's recognizing I'm totally, completely dependent upon God spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. I need Christ. I need God. And yeah, maybe you you say I've accepted the gospel and I know I need God, but then you, you never spend time with him. Do you truly feel your dependence upon God? I, 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 I think, and I, I probably think this will maybe a little bit more at the beginning of the coronavirus thing than I do right now, but I feel like at the beginning, a lot of people realized, you know what, I need God. I think we as Americans, <laughs> with the prosperity uh, that our country has felt specifically over the past few years, and... A lot of people were doing really good financially. A lot of people were, were, were feeling pretty self-sufficient. Uh, it seemed like everybody had a pretty decent job, was making good money. And you know, when, when we have that and we have those different types of blessings in our life, we can start to feel like we don't really need God. You know, we kind of got this. But when tragedy comes, when when difficult times come, it, it wakes us up to the fact that we don't got this all on our own. We still need God. And I think when this coronavirus hit a lot of people, it woke a lot of people up that they were like, wow, I've just been cruising on my own. And I think even now it's kind of heartbreaking because I think as we're starting to see our way out of the woods of this coronavirus thing, people are slipping right back into their old self-sufficient ways. And I say this for myself too. And we start to start readjusting and, you know, um, that turmoil that we were feeling before, we're not really feeling it as much anymore. So it's kind of like before, it's like, Lord, what's going to happen? God, I need you. I don't know what's happening. Help me. I don't know what's going to happen with my future. I don't know what's going to happen with my family's future. God, I need you. And now it's like, okay, you know, even if you are unemployed, I'm getting my unemployment check. So I got that. And, and uh, you know, or I got my job back. Okay, no, everything's starting to be good again. And God's now just kind of starting to take a back seat again in our lives. Do you feel that dependence upon God? Genuinely ask yourself, do I feel dependent upon God? I think we do when things are uncertain. We feel our dependence when things are unstable. 
you know, when, 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 when we feel like things can be taken away from us at any time, we know that we need God. But ask yourself, do I feel that dependence upon God? To be poor in spirit, it means that we understand our utter helplessness before God and our spiritual poverty and our need. Number two, um, that, that um, poor in spirit is to acknowledge um, our utter lack of facing life and eternity apart from God. We recognize that our, our, our utter inability to face life and eternity apart from God. You know, it's, it's, it's where we acknowledge the real blessings in life and we understand to only truly have blessings in life only comes from having a right relationship with God. Let me ask you this. Are you in a right relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? When's the last time you really talked with God? When's the last time you truly, like you sat down and talked with a good friend? Like, you know, we can't really do it now, but you know, you go out to coffee with a good friend and you just spend an hour or two just fellowshipping and just enjoying each other's company. When's the last time you, you actually talked with God? When's the last time you actually talked with God and allowed God to talk to you through the scriptures? Are you in a right relationship with God? You know, it's to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge the fact that we are nothing and that we are totally dependent on God for life and for our eternity. And that Christianity, the gospel, is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet, the question is, are you in a right relationship with him? Or do you really never talk to God? I mean, when's the last time you actually spent time in your devotions? To acknowledge our utter lack of facing life and eternity away from God. Number three, to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge our utter lack of superiority before all others and our spiritual deadness before God. You know what that is? This is what that is. And I, I know that's kind of wordy, but this is what it is. It's to, it's to acknowledge the fact as you are living your life, as you are looking at people around you, this is what you're, you're acknowledging. You say to yourself, you understand the fact that I'm no better than the next person. That's to be poor in spirit. I'm no, you're looking at these people and you know, you know, I'm no better than anybody else. All of these people around, I'm no better than any of them. You understand the fact that I am no more special than the person next to me. You understand I'm no more superior to any of the people around me. You do not have a spirit of superiority over other people. It's to recognize the fact that no matter what we've achieved in this world, whether it's, it's fame or fortune or power, 
Most of us haven't accomplished any of those things, so most of us don't have to worry about it. Uh, but it's, it's to understand that really, no matter what you accomplish in life, you are no better than anyone else. You know, I heard a man talking recently. This man, uh, from my knowledge, was an, uh, is an unsaved person. He doesn't know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He's not headed to heaven, but um, uh, he was concerned um, uh, because his daughter, he was talking about his daughter, and he was just talking about how gifted she is, how, how um, she's just got so many talents. She's just incredibly talented. And, uh, and he, he wasn't like that, just like gushing all over his kids and like, aren't they amazing? I remember Rachel and I one time went to this, we got invited back when we first got married, we got invited to these people's home and they were just gushing all over their kids, how amazing and fantastic their kids were. And, and uh, you know, which is every parent's right to do. And they, <laughs> they're, they're like, our daughter's been learning the violin. You, you gotta listen to her play. We're like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'd love to listen to her play. Oh my goodness, it was so bad. <laughs> oh, it was just like, you know what it sounds like, like a, 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 someone playing the violin that's not good. It's like, oh, nails on a chalkboard. And they're both just sitting there like, She's so wonderful. Okay, this father wasn't like that. This father was, was um, he, you know, he, he had a head on his shoulders. But he was saying how talented and gifted his daughter was. And um, this is what he was saying. He was saying that his concern was that uh, she was so gifted that she might not learn the humility and character that she needed in order to utilize her gifts properly. And... Um, you know, he, he said something to the effect of, I would just hate to see her waste her gifts and talents just on herself. And uh, I thought that was some incredible insight for someone that wasn't even a Christian, for someone that doesn't even know God, but yet he had the discernment to understand talents, gifts, ability, really no matter what you have, has to be coupled with humility and has to be coupled with character in order for those gifts and talents to really be utilized. I thought that was incredible insight. To be poor in spirit means that we acknowledge that each and every one of us, every human being you come into contact with is special to God. They're an important part of God's plan. They're an important part of this world. Every person, we, we recognize the fact that every person is uh, significant and has a place in this world and, and has been put there by God. When you're poor in spirit, uh, uh, you approach life in, in humility and appreciation. It, you know, you approach life in that humility, not in life owes me something. You know, a lot of people, you know, we tempted, you know, they, they approach life like, you know, they lose their job. How dare I lose my job? You know, everything is just like, um, like, like they're owed something. They're, everybody owes them, like just because they're alive, apparently. Uh, being poor in spirit is, is you don't approach life like life owes you or everybody owes you something, but you approach life as in you owe everybody else for the very fact that you're here. And you're like, wow, God is so good to me. I could do nothing but serve him with my life. That's poor in spirit. 
What's the opposite of being poor in spirit? I think it's pretty obvious. It's to have a spirit that's uh, just full of self, right? It's just to be that self. I think it's so obvious. And actually, you will see a theme throughout all of the Beatitudes, for the most part, a real theme of the Beatitudes. I'm going to tell you, spoiler alert. I know, now you don't have to listen anymore. Uh, but it's humility. It's, it's just amazing how humility is the driving force of, of a, a majority of the Beatitudes. It's humility. And the opposite, obviously, is pride. Being poor in spirit, that humility, pride, the exact opposite of being poor in spirit. The poor in spirit uh, uh, the poor in spirit are recognizing that there is no righteousness without Jesus Christ. First, Second uh, Corinthians five, twenty-one. Uh, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Truly, I mean, think about that verse for. He hath made him, Jesus Christ, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So we were, we were sinful, we were wicked. Even the best that we could do falls dreadfully short of the holiness of God. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Without Jesus Christ, we are nothing. You... you at best, you take all of our righteousness, add all of the righteousness in all of the world together apart from Jesus Christ. From the beginning of time, all of it, of every human being, all the righteousness of every human being, you add all of that up, it is not enough to save you from sin. Take everyone's righteousness, add it all up for one person, yet all of that righteousness still would not meet the righteousness of God. That's who we are. Recognizing our complete and total dependence upon God. Very quickly, let's just uh, move, move through this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm only halfway through my lesson, so we're going to skip a majority of it, and we're just going to zoom right through here. Going to be done in the next couple minutes. But there are two things that we need to do when we come to a place to recognize uh, our, when we come to recognize our true spiritual condition before God. One, we need to turn our focus away from the things of the world. Two, we need to turn our focus towards the things of God. When you recognize your spiritual condition, turn your focus away from the things of the world. All of those things, whatever they are, whether it's sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, whether it's the worries, whether it's just the cares of the world, whether it's the, the you know, looking to want to buy, buy something or, or be entertained or, or, or trying to accomplish something, whatever. Turn your eyes away from those things. Turn your eyes towards the things of God. I'm telling you, we can get really messed up when we're focused on the wrong thing. We can get really messed up. You know, I thought of, I think about when I first started playing softball. How disappointing, no softball this year. I've, I think I've played softball every summer since I was able to play softball. So it's kind of, kind of sad to, to be taken off this summer. But I remember when I was first playing softball and we're there at the fields and, 
And for those of you that come to the softball games, you kind of know how the fields are all kind of placed right next to each other. And, and uh, I was on the field, all the farthest to the left, it's right by that little putt-putt course. And I was playing out in right field. And, and if you know anything about that field, you know that when you're in, in um, uh, right field, you're very close to the next field. And it's really easy to see their game. And I remember thinking, it had been a, a long game and, and um, I hadn't got a ball all game. <laughs> Let's just say that. So I'm sitting there and uh, for some reason at that time, I just felt like the other team next to us, I just felt like their game was a whole lot more interesting than our game. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm just sitting there, I'm watching them hit the ball, watching people run around the bases and out my attention was diverted by hearing my name called. And everyone's calling, Ben, ah. I just hear my name and I look over, softball lands right next to me. What happened? I was focused on the wrong thing, right? I was supposed to be focused on our game. I was focused on somebody else's game. I could have had a I could have had a catch. I could have had a big play, but instead I missed the ball. They got runs. Let me just say, people weren't hoisting me on their shoulder, throwing praises my way. Let's just say that because I was focused on the wrong thing. When we're focused on the wrong thing, we can get messed up. When we are poor in spirit and we recognize our spiritual condition, we turn our focus away from the things of the world and turn our focus to God. Um, let's, let's wrap this up. Would you consider yourself to be poor in spirit? Have you come to a place where you truly recognize your spiritual condition before God? You know, maybe you did at the time of salvation. Maybe you realize I am a sinner. I am bound under sin. I am headed to a Christless eternity of hell. That is my penalty. The only way I can, the, the only hope in my life for salvation is through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and the fact that he took that penalty upon himself for me. And I must confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That, that literally means he's the boss in my life. And I need to surrender my life to him. And maybe you did that at the time of salvation. You realized you were insufficient to save yourself. But maybe over time you've that self-sufficiency has started creeping back in. And you lost that poor in spirit attitude. Would you consider yourself to be poor in spirit? Or are you lifted up with pride? Do you look at... Uh, let's, let's look at the spiritual way of doing it. I think like there's two sides. Do you look down on people that don't meet your spiritual level, what you consider the level of spirituality. Do you look down on people that don't meet your level of spiritual holiness? Have you ever said something like this? Maybe talking to your husband or wife or friend or family member. I just can't believe that they would do such and such. <laughs> I can't, I cannot, can you believe that they would go to 
such and such. I cannot believe that she would wear such and such. Do you find yourself judging others? Find yourself judging other people's motives? You know, when we do that, that is a spirit of pride. It's a spirit of pride. When we find ourselves judging other people's spirituality by what we consider to be the level of spirituality. Or we have the other side. Or maybe you're critical of those that have higher standards than you do. And I've heard both. <laughs> you know, you think like, oh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes would never go there, right? Oh, you think you're so spiritual. <laughs> you think that just because you don't do such and such, you're better than me. You're so legalistic with all your standards and rules. So there you got both sides, right? Those that out of pride look down on those with higher standards and those that in pride look down on those with, with what they consider to be lower standards. My friends, that is not being poor in spirit. That is not having a spirit of love for your fellow man. When we're poor in spirit, we recognize that we are all the same at the foot of the cross. We are all sinners in need of a savior. We are all, each and every one of us, filthy, rotten sinners. And even those, when you look out there and you see those and they seem like they're so holy and spiritual, the reality is, is that we all have dark sin in our lives and in our hearts and that we all need Christ with the grace and the forgiveness of Christ. You know, I was doing an interview with a pastor oh, a couple weeks ago and I do a podcast called the Ministry Minds Podcast, shameless plug. And uh, if you haven't, ever, haven't checked it out, you can check out the Ministry Minds Podcast with Ben White. But I, I interview ministry leaders on the topics of life, leadership, and ministry. And I was interviewing uh, Pastor um, uh, John Marshall, and uh, we were just talking about how to lead a church through uh, tragedy and which, you know, this COVID-19 thing. And um, he said something because he recently became the pastor there and he was just talking about how God has been molding him and making him. And he's been serving there at that church. He just took over the senior pastor, but I think he's been serving there since 2002. So he's been, grew up in, a, in an evangelist family, a singing evangelist. They went around. He, he's been in the ministry a long time. Grew up in a Christian family. And he said that God showed me as he was growing and, and even over the past X amount of years, he said, God showed me that at the root of my heart, that my motives were darker and uglier than I could have ever imagined. My motives for doing things were just so selfish and just dark. And as he said that, I said, me too. I don't think I said it out loud, but just in my mind, just like, as you, you just realize that the things that you do that even seem good can have selfish motives attached to them. 
and how dark I really am, my heart really is. And through that, how much I truly need the grace of God in my life. We all need it. Understand the power and the message of the gospel is the best way to become poor in spirit. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. I pray that each and every one of us will develop that humility and that poor in spirit attitude. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.